I was I was laying in the back of the van and my mom said, now listen, you, you listen to how I'm going to sing some notes on these songs and your dad's going to sing notes and I want you to lay here by the speaker and she said, try to find and listen to people singing other notes than the ones that we're singing. And, and by the end of that trip, it just clicked. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. Hosts James Curtis talk to artists and industry insiders to discover the connection between music and faith. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at between grooves. Here we are, episode 214. Welcome to Between the Grooves, your look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And today, our guest, Seth Elby, he is one-third of the Southern Gospel Group Southbound. We're going to hear how the guys met, talk about touring and balancing the rest of life, what worship is like in his church, talk a little bit about mental health and moving as well, and we'll see what else we can cook up. Seth Elby, he's a worship pastor, songwriter, choir director, and part of the Southern Gospel Group, Southbound. Let's get Between the Grooves with Seth. How much time do you have today? Um, I think I only have four hours. Only four hours. Okay, so we can. I can probably try to squeeze everything in, into that four hours. That's great. Um, great. And, well, I, listen, I got, I got all the time you need. Oh, good stuff. Well, great to have you. You're a worship pastor. You're a songwriter. You've directed choirs. And now you're part of this Southern Gospel group, Southbound. How do you divide all your time between all those responsibilities? Well, what works out good is that I work for Clint Brown at his church. He's the the senior pastor of Judah Church in Orlando. I'm his worship pastor. You know, we work together and our schedules are open to what's needed. And we just divide it between the church and schedule our trips. We don't miss a lot of Sundays, so that works out good. And, um, you know, we stay busy, but we love it. Technically, he's your boss, but he's also your friend. Correct. Yeah, that's a, and that's what's great. I mean, it's, it's kind of living, I really feel like it's, I'm living the dream. I mean, you know, doing what you love with, with people, with your best friends. You know, it doesn't really get much better than that. Well, it's not work anymore, right? Correct. Well, <laughs> well it's, still, it's still work. We, we often talk about the what people think it's, it's really uh, glamorous to travel, but they don't see the 5 a.m. flights and the, you know, waking up in hotels in different cities for different days. And, you know, but but it's great. I mean, we, we really enjoy it. We enjoy spending time together. So, you know, I'm, I'm truly blessed. I've done some traveling in my days as well, and, and usually only a couple of nights away. And let me tell you, there is nothing like being home. Yeah, yeah. I, I will tell you, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I woke up and I asked my wife, I said, uh, babe, where, where are we? And she said, don't, don't worry. It's okay. We're in a hotel. And I said, yeah, I can tell I'm in a hotel, but, but where is the hotel located? I don't know what city I am in. Yeah. We had, we had just, we had just, you know, a lot of times we do like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday deal. And sometimes that's three different cities. And, you know, I, I keep the hotel key with me with the little book that tells me what room it's in, so I don't go to the wrong room. Right. Well, I do that, too, because your room's going to always change as you travel from, from city to city. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, what you've said about the glamorous life of being on the road and being on stage and stuff, it's, I mean, really, the being on stage part of it is the culmination of all the work that you've already put into this thing. Yeah. And, and really, yeah. at that point, it's just like... Now I can relax, you know? Yeah, there's really, I think the only um, thing that's probably uh, work-related or, or a stressful situation is just getting set. You know, when you get to, let's say you get to a venue or a church and you want to make sure that, you know, your your equipment, you have all the equipment that you need in order to get the sound check and the tracks run correctly and the videos on the screen and graphics and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's a, a couple hours, you know, a couple hours of that or, and you, and you make sure you have all the products that you need and we set all that up and, you know, we do a lot, we, we, you know, we do all that ourselves. So, you know, for, for a couple hours there, you're, you know, making sure everything's right. You test everything, 
And then, you know, once that's done, then it's just back to having a, a, a good time. Right. It's like me on the weekend. When, when I wake up Saturday morning, I've got a bunch of chores. I've got some laundry. I've got some other stuff that I need to do. My goal is to yeah. get all the work done so that I can relax. I don't want to have to, you know, relax, take it easy, and then scramble late in the day. It's like, oh, I still have to do all this other stuff. I just want to get the stuff. Oh, I want to get the work done so I can enjoy the rest of the day. And it's similar when you're on the road. There's a lot of work that happens beforehand before the gig before the concert before you're on stage in front of a pile of people getting all that work done and then you can relax a little bit and you know maybe have a leisurely lunch if you've got the time or maybe even some sightseeing if you can right yeah absolutely you know some people say oh man you know what'd you do for fun and you know in this city or this city and you know it always depends on if we have some extra time or, you know, how tight the schedule is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I really, the good thing is I really do enjoy uh, traveling, you know, air, airports and all that doesn't stress me out. So I really do enjoy that. And, you know, I sleep really good in hotel rooms as long as they're really dark and really cold. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm really loving it. I promise I'm loving it. Good stuff. Uh, the one common denominator I have to say about Southern gospel music is the harmonies, and that's what you guys do very well with Southbound. Well, you know, Jody and I have been singing together. We met in the 90s, and we were at a—I had moved back uh, to Georgia after being gone for a, year, for a few years, and, and uh, when we met, we were on a worship team and in a choir together, and, you know, so we started singing— together became he's, he's kind of like my the the fourth of the, the lb brothers i mean uh we're really close and so every time we got a chance since then um we've been in each other's weddings and and uh been there you know just really close friends and we met bishop um at in in around 2000 and um and so because we've always enjoyed the same music and I think it's just because we spent so much time together now, it's just very, it, it's not even work for us to find harmonies. I mean, you know, when you, when you sing t- together with somebody that long, you know, you just, you just gel. Yeah. And uh, we've listened to a lot of the same, like I said, a lot of the same music, the praise and worship uh, and done it for so long that um, now in, and how this thing started, I'm sure this is something that you want to know, so I'll, I'm just going to go to it. But actually how this started is Jody was coming to Orlando for a wedding and was uh, staying with me. And we went over to to Clint Brown's house and sat around the piano and were, was just singing. And then we went live and people loved it. And like 80,000 views later, we were like, man, this is we, we've got something here. Yeah, maybe we should do so, something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's how it. We didn't start this thing to go, man. We should start a group and we should do an album and we should try. Like none of that was the plan, and so uh, we just got such a great response, and so we just said, man, let's. You know, it really just happened a little bit at a time. Like, hey, let's sing in church this weekend. Let's learn this song, and then hey, let's go live because that was a lot of fun today, and then man, we should record these songs. And, you know, everything just kept happening. and God kept opening doors. And so it's just been a really amazing thing to see that exact thing happen. I mean, God's opening doors that we weren't expecting. We're not over here trying to sell ourselves or trying to, you know, become something. It's just, hey, this is who we are. Right, yeah. And the fact that you've known each other for so long, I mean, that that lends to the whole... Uh, you know, the singing of the harmonies, kind of knowing exactly yeah. what the others are up to, right? You kind of know where they're headed. You could sing a song cold and kind of jump into the harmonies and you kind of know that the other person's going to be doing this just naturally, right? Totally. And you know what's what's funny is because of that, there's times on stage that one of us, you know, will just start singing a song and people think it's part of, you know, it's in our lineup. And there's times that we're just, you know, we, we're just flowing and having a good time. And sometimes Bishop will go to the, the keyboard and start singing songs and, you know, we just jump in and, and, and flow in and out of it. And, and it's great. And most of the time it works. Yeah. 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 
some of the times, you know, Bishop Mark, he, he's, he might be singing a song and, and, uh, and Jody and I just kind of look at each other and go, let's just let him take this one. Yeah. I'm not ready to be that high in that key. Right. Well, that's part of it, too. you got to make sure that it's within the range for, for all the singers. Uh, have you ever had situations yeah. where you're in front of a group of people and just uh, you end up doing a couple of requests, like people either shouting out or just like, hey, you know, I, somebody was mentioning they wanted to hear this song or whatever? Um, during, well, we've done that a lot when we've gone live, that people will just okay, yeah. live yeah. on Facebook and people will just, will just say, hey, we're going to sing you know, songs we grew up singing. So if you have a request, hit it in, and, and there'll just be people typing in. You know, we can't even get them all. You know, we'll sing for an hour or something, and it's like, okay, well, that's, that's all we can do. We're tired. Yeah. Um, but oft, I will tell you, often in the in the green room or, or, you know, we're at a church, and it's very, very often that, you know, the pastor or the pastor's wife or, you know, somebody that's in the room goes, man, it's I would really like it if you guys could sing this song or, you know, I will say sometimes I'll, I'll ask the pastor or his, or somebody on staff, you know, Hey, tell us, tell me your favorite hymn. And if we know it, we'll try to put it in, you know, right. You know, put it in the list. Well, and that's nice because it's the familiarity with, with all of that, especially the congregation or the people attending where they can participate, not just watch, but actually yeah. participate in in the whole you know concert if you want to call it that I don't like the term concert it just it it sounds too much like we're sitting in our seat and we've paid money to just watch you guys perform and do a show for us you know right right yeah it's definitely because we're all worshipers and worship leaders um, you know I will say that's one thing that that makes us different than than a lot of other groups out there that are just doing you know, a song to song or a track to track to track, you know, uh, flow that we can, you know, there's times we, ch- we change our set list in the middle of it, or there's times that we'll just go into a, a praise and worship setting and cut out three or four of our songs because we've, you know, taken the time to lead the congregation in worship. Right. And so, you know, that is a different, a different feel. It does it, it it sure feels less like a concert. Is everything you do, I guess specifically as a worship pastor, is everything you do have a gospel vibe to it in your church, or do you also incorpor- incorporate like the Hill Song or the Elevation or Bethel type styles? I do a a man a total variation. Um, you know, we do a lot of um, of, of uh, elevation. You know, I'll throw in some some Maverick City. You know, we yeah. know a lot of those people. Yeah, and you know, um, but I'll just say, like yesterday, in the middle of my set, um, we were singing um, a, a song, and I I went into the old song. There's just something about that name, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that was uh, I, I think that's the gate the gaiters, like you know, but you know, song like I said, you know, it, it's I could go into I, I mix it up between doing something that's that's gospel to something that is, um, you know, an old hymn, and then something that's Bethel, and then I'm, you gotta understand, I'm leading worship, and right in front of me is Clint Brown, and he's written over 500 songs, and most people don't know this, but three seats away from him is Ron Cannoli. Yeah, I know him. And so, <laughs> so you know, no pressure there, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh so yeah, we 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 really do at my church. We really I, I mix it up a lot. I guess when you throw in an old hymn for the younger generation, they wouldn't necessarily even know that it's an old hymn, anyways. I mean, everybody's participating and singing along, but they might just think, especially if you've got a new groove to it or a new style to it, they would never know that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people that come to me after church and go, "Hey, I'm trying to download this song. Who is it?" And I'm like, right. "Well, first of all, that song's 80 years old." Right. And <laughs> Yeah, they think it's something you, new, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they think it's something that we, you know, or a lot of times people go, "Man, did you even write that?" And we're like, "No." What I like to, what I like to, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you come from a musical family. My family was musical growing up as well, which is which is awesome because you know whether you're singing in the car or playing musical instruments, everybody can participate, and I think that is probably the the birth of of harmony as well. I mean, I, I don't, I never got trained on how to sing harmony. I just, 
I just had it. You know what I mean? Was it, Did you find yeah. the same thing for yourself growing up? Well, actually, my story is uh, it's, it's very close. But what happened was we were on a my, my family and I were, were um, traveling. And I remember we were in a van and there was um, I think it was this is I was five. So this is, and it was right before my sister was born. So there was, um, there's five of us. So three of us boys and my parents. And uh, we made a stop. At our first stop, my dad bought an eight track of the eight of the Oak Ridge Boys. I was I was laying in the back of the van, and my mom said, "Now listen, you, you listen to hear hear how I'm gonna sing some notes on these songs, and your dad's gonna sing notes, and I want you to lay here by this this speaker." And she said, try to find and listen to people singing other notes than the ones that we're singing. Right. And I, and on that trip, that's what I did the whole time. And, and by the end of that trip, then when we just turn on the radio or put in something else, it just clicked. Right. And, and so, you know, then every time that we went to sing after that, instead of us all just, you know, just instead of, um, just always singing the melody then I, you know my parents were like okay you take this harmony and I'll take this harmony and that's what we did and you know it's funny because now I have children and you know my daughters they're both musical my daughter's uh, 15 and if you turn on the radio in a car and you're listening to music um, she can do the same thing right and he has an ear for it so it's you know and, and my son sings as well so it's it's great to to uh to have that generational, you know, gifting continue. What I do, as far as harmony is concerned, and I turn on the radio or listen to a song, I always try to find the harmonies that you don't hear. Yeah. You know, because the song is, I, I look at it and say, well, the song is kind of empty. It's missing this one, you know, range or this one, you know, group of notes. And that's what I'll try to sing just to fill out the song to make it better, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. And I love, I love doing that to to songs i listen to i actually listen to a lot of country music and um i do that especially with solo artists when they're singing something i like to find harmonies and and sing along to make you know get get it a, a different feel sometimes and yeah i mean uh, you know, for, I for, for a solo country artist though a lot of times you'll just hear you'll hear the harmonies and it's just you know they just re-recorded their voice several times with the different you know different parts right yeah absolutely i mean technology right yeah, yeah, right. So you've got a new album uh, that's come out, and uh, I wanted to hear a little bit about it. I guess my first question about it is, um, how did you guys record that? Because we're in this new era, this new age, where um, things have dramatically changed in the last year and a half as far as recording is concerned. A lot of it's done online, or, or you know, some people will, will record parts and then send it off to the next person, and then producer adds a bunch of stuff and musicians and whatever else was that what happened with this album yes actually we found um john johnson is a guy in covington georgia and he has a thing called tune designers and and tune designer they're musicians there's um there's four musicians in in covington georgia and they have a recording studio and so what they do is um People can send them a recording, even just a recording from your phone uh, of you just singing a, a song you wrote. And what they do is they have a fee that they'll they'll make you a track and they'll say, OK, and you can tell them, um, you know, these are the instruments that I want and this is the feel and they can do it. And those guys are so gifted and they're just amazing, um, just great guys. And so um Jody had known of them because their their studio is like 10 minutes from Jody's church. So it started off, we were just like, okay, well, let's have them do a song and let's see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And so what that, what, what we do is we, we had them all play like uh, Bishop recorded on his phone. He said, okay, guys, we're going to do this. We sat down at his piano and we said, okay, we're going to do this song. And then this is the feel that we want. This is the tempo and this is the key. And then let's do a key change. And then here's the format. We're going to do verse, you know, you just give him a, a format mm -hmm. and then send him that, just send him that recording from a voice memo on his phone. And, um, like two weeks later they were like, okay, this is what we got. So we, 
we had them send those files to a studio here in Orlando. And um, so we went to that studio, which a, a guy from our church had one. And we st- that's how we did the first song. And then we, after we got done recording it, um, we sent it to a guy in Nashville. And the guy, and the guy in Nashville, Barry Weeks, uh, he, he mixed it. And then, you know, that's how we did the first song. And then that, that went so well that we actually did, we've done 20, I, I, wanna, I, think, I think 22 songs that way. Oh, wow. And now, and then actually it's, now it's three more, so it's 25 because we just did three Christmas songs for an EP, a Christmas EP that, that's about to come out. So you got to take these guys on, on the road with you, so you've got a full band. Well, I will tell you, we've done two shows so far. One was in in uh, in Covington, and then we actually, last week, we did a, a live DVD recording in Nashville at the Franklin Theater, mm-hmm. and three of the guys in the band were three of those guys. Oh, that's great. They would already know the vibe. They would already know the music, for the most part. Yep. That's that's pretty yeah. amazing, and they would know you guys because they've heard you and, sending them. And we were able to do it. We were able to, because we all live in different cities. Like the guitar player was the guitar player from my church, Joey Z, um, and on then the bass player was a guy in Nashville. And so, um, yeah, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare or have like all these rehearsals, but because we we could send them the tracks and three of the guys played on the album, and then you know, Joey listens to our music a lot and. Uh, Landy is just amazing. So, yeah, we were able to do a, a live DVD concert with very little practice time together as a group. Yeah, I mean, whether it's the lead sheets or the the background tracks, having people have that in advance, it gives them a chance to practice on their own. But quite frankly, if you're all seasoned musicians and artists, it would be it wouldn't be rocket science, that's for sure, getting together. Yeah, and even that night, there were some things that we had a different, uh, a lot of different um, guests come up on stage, Reba Rambo, Jaron Davis, uh, The Sound, you know, lots of different people. And we went, even uh, there were times that, you know, somebody jumped on the piano and we all started singing something that wasn't planned and everybody just kind of jumped in. So it was great. So you guys are touring as Southbound and... Uh, yeah. And you're, uh, are you guys moving into the Christmas stuff too? You mentioned there's some Christmas songs. So are you going to be kind of changing up the the gigs a little bit where you're going to be doing Christmas shows closer, you know, in December, I guess? Yeah, yeah we have some, uh, some bookings in November and December. We actually have one that's like the week of Christmas, the Wednesday before. Uh, we'll be at the show in uh, North Carolina. And so, yeah, for probably for November, December, We'll we'll work in those Christmas songs and do, you know, some some of the classics along, you know, with our with our tracks, and and so dress and the, dress the part as well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I told someone the other day. I said, you know, I went and bought a a winter jacket just because we're supposed to go back to Boston, and I said, well, when we do a Christmas song, I might just you know go backstage and put a put a jacket on and you know a scarf and just you know fill in the really make that make it feel like christmas yeah well you'll just do it for one song because with the lights on you you're going to be dripping in sweat anyways <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was funny we were with uh we were at mark lowry's house and we did a live video with him the day that we released our our um our cd and we were in houston and we got done and and the first thing he said when we were done he said man y'all sing so hard <laughs> and we were like, this is this is just us. Like, I, you know, this is what we do. I don't, you know, there's only one way. It doesn't matter if there's 20 people in the room or 2,000. You know, we we really do. We sing we we sing hard and we sing loud and and yeah. Would you ever do uh, like a collaboration with like the Gaithers or the or the Gaither homecoming type scenario where you bring in a bunch of people and just do stuff together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know that vibe is is really cool i will tell you we did um we were at the national quartet convention uh, a couple weeks ago and we did a breakfast that our record label were with we're with daywind records and uh daywind had put on a breakfast for radio djs and some executives um and it was like a private venue but it was in a small theater and they had all of the daywind artists on stage and we kind of did that everybody like 
each group or person sang one of their songs, and then at the end, we sang some some of our songs, and then we, we sang some songs together just from the piano, and that was a you know that was really really great and I actually I told the the uh the president of of day when I said man we we need to do this as a as a concert mm-hmm. I mean it was it was great just make sure you and, don't and, pull the radio guys up on stage and have them sing right 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh that's nice um, uh, let's just take a step back here. Uh, I'm I'm assuming, based on your bio, uh, there's a couple of interesting things that I read. First of all, the fact that you moved more than three dozen times. Like, what the heck was going on there? Well, you know, when I yeah, the number right the 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 golden number right now is 39, and I'm and I'm not done. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will say, when I was a child, we 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 moved a lot. We moved all the time, and it and it was just. I think my father just was always changing jobs and, and, um, you know, but it's, it's true. And I, and for some reason, neither one of my brothers, uh, you know, continued <laughs> the tradition like I have, mm-hmm. you know, one of my brothers, he, he has girls that are seniors in high school that were, that are, that have grew up in the same house. Um, so, uh, I can't even, man, I, I can't even think that far. I think the longest I've lived in a house is two years. The same place is two, is two oh, years. I, I cannot um, ne- imagine that. Like, I'm not, I don't like moving. I really don't. And, you know, to pack up, and then, you know, even if you live in in a place for two years, I mean, you don't even have time in that two years to unpack all the boxes. Well, you know what, you you end up, when, when you move this many times, you know, you, you don't, um, you don't keep stuff. Like, I don't, I don't have a garage or a closet full of boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that I don't use you know mm-hmm. there's times where you know if, if I was moving I'm like I haven't opened this box since the last time I moved well then I'm not going to move it again right so you know and um and it, it was funny we just we, we've been so busy this year we we uh my wife and I we we live in a condo in Orlando on the third floor and and our our lease was coming up to renew, and I told her let's just move. And she's like, well, we're too busy, we're traveling too much, and we're going too much. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We have a month. That's plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> and we decided not to, just to add, you know, just to not add stress. But I will tell you this: I've done it so much, I actually enjoy it. And there's people in our when I go to church and I hear that people are moving, and I'm like, okay, well, let me know, and I'll I'll be there. Right, like I'm a gold member of U-Haul. I mean, just <laughs> let me know, and I'll. I love packing up the truck and playing Tetris with all of your stuff. Let me do it. Right. So, well, that, that's an art right there. Yeah. Yeah. Fitting yeah, stuff into the truck of, properly. Yeah, I get a lot of funny looks when people go, "You actually want to help us move? We don't have to beg you." I was like, "No, no, let you know, no, no, let me do it. I'll do it. I'll do it." I don't mind helping somebody move as long as they as long as they have the pizza when we're done. You know, the traditional pizza, everything's in the house, not necessarily unpacked, obviously. Maybe the beds have been put together so there's a place to at least sleep. But other than that, yeah, bring on the pizza. Yeah, exactly. Is that the typical meal every time? Uh, You know what? I would tell you nine times out of ten, that's it. Yeah, not really original, is it? But it works. No, no. It's easy. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of pizza, I understand you're somewhat of a chef as well. Do you do a majority of the cooking for your wife and kids? Yes, I, I do a lot of the, the, the cooking here. But I also, what's funny is, um, like I said, we live in a in a like a one-bedroom condo um, in Florida. But Bishop, uh, you know, and his wife, Kendall, live in a beautiful home that's about 15 minutes away. And... I love their kitchen. So I actually do, nowadays, I do the majority of my cooking at their house when we all want to hang out. No, they know, must, they go, must okay. like that, too. Oh, yeah, they love it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's, and cooking relaxes me. So I'm like, yeah. So I, when I, it's often when I, when I ask Clint, and I go, hey, man, I'm, I'm headed over. You need anything? He goes, well, pick up some steaks. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I'm a big, I only drink, here's something you, you can know about it. I only drink Diet Mountain Dew. And my water take is when I my my water intake is when I put ice in the cup before I pour the dew in it. Okay. And so and and Clint Brown he likes he likes Diet Coke. So when we go on the road, it's very often that the first thing we do when we land because you know you can't you can't fly with drinks and you know all the liquids and I can't tell you how many airports that I've got to 
check, go through security and I've, and I'm emptying three and four cans or bottles of, of diet do that, you know, it's, that are perfectly fine and they're yeah. sealed, but I can't, but, but, but it's crazy because five minutes later when I get through security now, suddenly I can have them. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But so, yeah, so there's, there's uh there's times where I love to, I love to cook and we have for our staff or, uh, just for the family, you know, we, we get together and I'm, often I'm the one that, that enjoys cooking. Would you say you're a picky eater when you're on the road? Well, there's, well, there's two things. I'm, I guess I'm specific just cause there's, you know, there's like, I want to go to a, I, I will tell you this when I travel, I don't like to go to chains. I don't want to go to a, a restaurant chain. I don't want to go to somewhere that I can get, you know, here. Right. So when I go, I like, I, I love to go to the city and go, Hey, what is this city known for? Or is there, first of all, is there a place, is there somewhere like we love Papa Do's and Papa Cita's, but there's not either one of those in Orlando. So if we go to a city and we land, that's one of the first questions. That's hey, is there a Papa Do's or a Papa Cita's? Because if so, that's that's the first place we're going. Right. But if not, I could go to the just just, just the hole in the wall, you know. Right. Uh, you know, let me let me go downtown and just find this little shop that, you know, or if you're the uh, there was a place in in uh, Nashville, uh, the biscuit biscuit love. It was the place, and you know, I mean, little places like that. You know, there's not a there's not anything like that here in Orlando. You know, or on on I drive, so I like going to places like that to, you know, experience something that's good that's st- stood the test of time for a city, but right. you know, it's unique. Well, and if you're going in and asking what they're known for, and then you go to that place to eat, you really can't complain because they're known for that. Whether whether yeah. you like it or not, it is good because obviously people eat there and they're known for it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever been on the road where you cook yourself, or is it always you don't have time for that? Um, you know what? I, uh, I'm thinking that I've never been somewhere that I've really had time to do that. Now, you know, we go to Atlanta, you know, my mom lives in Atlanta and so does Jody. So I have been, we, you know, there's several times that we've been in a, in the Atlanta area for a concert or for, you know, um, or to meet, to go to the studio with those, with, with the, uh, tune designer guys, um, that I've gone over to Jody's house and cooked for his family or, you know, when I get when I go to town, I go to my mom's. My mom and I, we, you know, the first thing we do is go to the Publix and and do shopping, find out all the things we're going to make when we're together. So yeah, we we both enjoy that. My wife's retirement goal is to be able to, and it'll never happen. But her retirement goal is to <laughs> have a personal chef. So my question to you is: when you, whenever you're in the Toronto area, will you come to our house and cook? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to make sure she hears this episode, and we're going to hold you to it. There's, listen, listen. I would, I, I would, I would love that. We were actually in Boston, and when we got done with the concert, the guy said, "All right, you're going to come to our house, and we're going to have steak and lobster." And so it was funny because it's like 11 o'clock at night, and boiling the water to do these lobsters. He had 30 lobsters, and then there was a there was they're going to have steaks, and they were turning on the grill. And I asked them, I said, "Do you need me to grill?" And he said, no, 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 my brother's here to do that. And I said, okay, well, I mean, I, it was, I was so hungry, I would have done it myself. But right, uh, right. they fed us like champs. But, yeah, man, any, I will tell you, any, anytime people let me cook, I do it. Because I, I, it's another weird thing that I enjoy. Yeah, if it's, if it's something you enjoy, uh, and I guess the, the problem would be is if you are starving, you're going to try and rush through it. But at the end of the day, if it's something you enjoy doing, why not, right? Well, just so you know, I, it's, uh, I grew up. When from the time I was twelve, maybe ten, yeah, yeah, probably around ten. I start. My mom taught me stuff. So by the time I was, I was ten, and my mom cooked uh, our meals, but and then I started cooking our meals. And you know, my mom's worked, and my mom still works to this day. So uh, it's just something I did. I, I enjoyed it, and I did it to help her out. And then um, when I was a teenager in high school, I you know I worked in some restaurants. You know, one of my favorite stories to tell people is kind of shocking, as they say, when I was 15 and 16, I worked for a New York Italian mafia family in an Italian restaurant. And that's that's one of the best places that I learned one of the, you know, some of the some of the best recipes and learned how to grill a steak. So. uh, So, yeah, man, I've never been to Canada, so I'm. Get us a book and we'll, we'll come. You're welcome, for sure. Yeah, I, I will say I have become, over the years, an expert at boiling water. Yeah. I, I can do pasta with a little guidance. 
I can boil eggs. I can do anything with eggs. Wow. I can fry them. I can scramble them. You know, you name it. I can do wonders with eggs. But I'm not. I'm not the cook. And you know, when I was a kid, your mom usually tries to train you into the kitchen, just so when you're on your own, you can you can handle things. And yeah, I, yeah. I can handle that. I'd be eating eggs every day with yeah. toast, right? Well, my wife cooks a little bit, but after I cook for her a few times, she was like, "I don't even want to try. I, I I don't even want to try." Yeah, like we could cook the exact same thing with the exact same. Re- recipe with the with the exact same ingredients and I don't know what you do how you do it if you 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 make this crispy and you make this creamy I I don't know what it is but I don't have it so she's hey she's she's grateful My wife is an amazing cook she's the type of person that goes into the kitchen and she might even have a recipe in front of her, but more times than not, she, she goes in there and she starts making something and I'll, you know, wander in. I'll say, what are you making? She says, I'm not sure yet. You know, she's just kind of making it up as she goes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's nice to see the creativity and see how it turns out in the end. And usually more times than not, it's delicious. So, Well, speaking of retirement, my plan for retirement when I when I get done, you know, at a church when they're they're tired of hearing the old guy sing and they when they hire somebody you know younger younger and cooler i like to just we'd like to buy like a bed and breakfast where we live in it and people come and they rent out room Mm -hmm. and and but then at the same time i can i can cook for them and take up my time that way yeah and it's fun at least you're keeping busy they always say when you retire you should do something to keep yourself busy otherwise you'll just you know end up withering away doing nothing and and uh and be gone, right? So absolutely, yeah. Um, let's get back to the uh, live shows just for a second. I just wanted to uh, make mention of the fact that uh, the live shows, as well as the album, I guess, part of the proceeds going to benefit the Autism Society of America. Yes, uh, Jody has a son. His oldest son, he's nine. His name is Judah, and um, he is autistic. He's nonverbal, and but he's just—I mean—a sweet, sweet boy. Um, and he's got a smile that just lights up the room and we all love him and, and, um, he's so sweet. And so, um, part of our, the heart of our ministry is to minister to people, but also to, um, you know, raise awareness and, um, you know, donations for, uh, for that. And, um, so that's really important to us and, and we do stuff to help um, that society and, and also to help his school. Uh, his schools right now are raising funds uh, for a playground for them, so we're helping with that. So, you know, we're we're family. You know, we're yeah. the three of us are like brothers, and so, you know, we, we help each other out. And when one is dealing with something, you know, we want to, you know, help in whatever way we can. So that's really important to us. I think sometimes when you hear about a concert or something going on and you hear that proceeds are going to some kind of charity, many times the impression is that it was kind of an afterthought. Whereas what I'm getting from you is this was part of the, hey, we're going to do this thing and and we're going to give some of the money uh, to this organization it sounds to me like that was like a not an afterthought, but right from the forefront where you said, you know, let's let's do this. Let's 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 support another organization out there. Before one thing was sold, that was that was decided. Before mm-hmm. the album was done, before any any shirts or hats uh, were were created, that that had been decided, and um, and it was actually um, Clint Brown's you know, idea. And, you know, he presented it to, to Jody and I, and, and, um, you know, to Jody's wife. And, um, we, uh, of course I was on board and it just, man, it, it brought Jody and his, his wife to tears just because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that do things with, um, I think we're, we all make decisions with motivation. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is, if you give it enough time, the motivation is revealed. And um, I think it was it was really uh, heartwarming, and it really blessed them a lot to know that you know the motivation of of this thing is is really to minister to people to help people. Um, so 
Uh, we're actually in the middle of writing a song uh, about Judah and his smile. And I know that, you know, that song will, will be all about him, but um, it will just be another way to minister to people that are dealing, you know, to all the families that are affected by that. Mm-hmm. You've also got the song, He's Got Away, and that was written with him in mind as well, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that was two, there was there was twofold on that. Um, that I, I started writing that song based based on um, my testimony of um, I was I was uh, I I fought depression and suicide for 26 years and um, and I ended up you know several years ago they I was put in a mental hospital to to try to get help and I and I received the help I needed and and um, so I, I started writing that out of you know. He's got a way of making beauty from brokenness. He's got a way of breaking chains of hopelessness. And I think that's where I was at. I, you know, at that time, I was, I was hopeless. And then when I, I, I got with, with, with Clint and Jody, um, and we started talking about it, and we, and we all developed the rest of the song, it, it, it talked about, you know, so even looking at a, at a child and having the doctor, you know, say that you're, your child is autistic. Um, there's, you know, Jody has said, man, there's times that you feel hopeless because you, there's nothing you can do. You don't have the availability. There's nothing you can do to, to change it, to fix it. And, um, we really, you know, that's, that's going to be our next single that's coming to come out in the, in January, I believe is he's got away. And that song really is our favorite because we all wrote it together, which is the first song that we've all written together. And, uh, and because it's such a testimony of, of that and man, we've already received so many, um, people that have contacted us and said how that song has ministered to them. You, you mentioned, you know, depression and suicidal thoughts and whatnot. And, in this day and age, I suppose now there's more visibility on a lot of that. But quite frankly, with especially with social media, you only see the good stuff, right? You only see the smiles. You only see when things are going great. Um, people are putting on their best side when they post a picture or write any comments or whatever else. And so it's nice to see um, just being upfront and and open about you know the inspiration behind the song let alone what transpired in your life? Well, my favorite verse um, has, has actually shifted. Um, you know, I always grew up loving um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understandings, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And that's, that's, that's kind of like my, my, lost, my life motto. But in this new season... I love when the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I don't think enough people actually share their testimony because they're, because they're embarrassed or they're ashamed about it. But we've got an opportunity to share that with people because the word of our testimony is, is I think it's, it's the biggest ministry tool that that's not used as much as it should. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying? It, it, that should be used all the time, I think. And there's too many people and there's too many, you know, I think that's one thing that Christians are, are guilty of is, is hiding their testimony. You know, my wife and I were doing a live, uh, a live video the other day. And, and we talked about how, isn't it interesting that Jesus came back and when he revealed himself to the disciples, he still had scars. Mm-hmm. But yet we all try to hide our scars to not talk about what we've been through. Right. Yeah. And so um, I, I think there's there's something powerful in it, and and I, I've got the best response from people when I'm trying to tell them about the Lord. I always get the best response when I tell them my testimony of the mistakes I've made and the things that I've been, you know, healed from or set free from, as opposed to tell them how good I am. Nobody's impressed by how good you are because, you know, where you compare, you compete. And I think a lot, a lot of people feel like they're not good enough to be a Christian. They're not good enough to go to church. And that's just the opposite of what we, we need to be 
presenting to people because they're looking for hope. Yeah. Well, and and they're not necessarily finding that, uh, you know, on a a day-to-day basis, uh, wherever they spend their time, whether it's social media or in front of other people. I I just think about, and you were talking about, um, you know, just being open and the fact that Jesus showed his scars and yet so many of us will go online and use filters to make ourselves look better. Um, and some of them are funny, but some of them, you know, are, are obviously just, you know, trying to uh, impress others. And, uh, and uh, like, I, I'm not a selfie guy. I don't like posting selfies because I don't think I look good. Would I, would I post a selfie if I used a filter that made myself look good? I hope not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think there has to be a fine line where, where people, you know, you, you want to be presentable and you, you want to care and, and be a good representation. But there's, um, you know, the, it's it's crazy that today you, you can hardly believe what you see or what you hear. Right. You know, this, you know, everything can be tweaked. Everything can be fixed. Everything can, like you said, you know, there's very little transparency in the world today. Um, and it's, you know, if we were to tell people the shocking story of Millie Vanilli, you know, of the young generation today, they would be like, what's the big deal? Yeah, they were, yeah. I mean, because, because it's, it's, it's very common for us to see an artist on TV lip syncing and they go, Oh, well they have to do that because of the sound or because of the, you know? And so, you know, the sad thing is that's, that's all you see. Like, just like you said, everything has a filter. Everything has a, everything's been tweaked. So it's, it's very rare that, uh, you know, we, when we interviewed with the record companies, a lot of them asked us, you know, more, it, it was very common that day. We, we were interviewed back to back interviews all day long. And, and um, uh, several of them asked us, so out of these songs, how many would you guys be able to sing in one night? And we were like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, well, I mean, if you did a concert, how, how many would you do? And then would you be able to go to the piano and sing anything? Or like, you know, and we were like, well, first of all, we could sing all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, the, and that just comes because we're used to leading worship at a church every single week for years and years and years and years and years. Like, and sometimes multiple services a day, you know, multiple services a week. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's common for us to sing for, for an hour and to not, I mean, we use microphones, but it's, I mean, it's us singing, you know, but I will tell you to go back to that. Um, you know, it is, it is sad that a lot of people are only getting the best tweaked modified version of, of each other. Yeah. Of, of who you are. And, yeah. and and especially in the last year and a half with the fact that we've you know a lot of us have been being cooped up at home not being able to see people face to face you just get this perception totally. that everything is fine in your life when it may not be right totally and you know what the thing the, the sad thing is and i really see it you know we're in florida and, and you know it's we're we're pretty much open and you don't have to wear your mask anywhere but um so the only time I really get reminded of it and get aggravated from it is is on a plane and at an airport. But it's crazy because at an airport now, you you don't even the, like because everybody has a has a a mask on. I don't you, you know you, you don't even look at people. You don't you, you just there's there's no personal contact. There's you know not even eye contact, not even a smile, not even a you know waving. You know I mean there's people that that come up to us and say you know are you so-and-so, you know, are you, are, you know, they ask, are you, are you Clint Brown? And, you know, he said, you know, he was like, oh yeah. He's like, well, I really couldn't tell, but you know, because of the mask, but there's times where you, you're in an airport and you don't even look at people because they all have a mask on and it's really shut down the, the personal involvement. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, you can see their eyes if you actually look, but a lot of times you don't. What I've been surprised at is uh, with how long this has gone on as far as wearing masks is concerned. When somebody takes off their mask and all you knew previously was them with the mask on, it's like you, you almost don't recognize them. It's like, oh, that's what you really look like because it covers up so much of your face. Right, right. Well, and I definitely and I definitely can say that what's, uh, what's aggravating to me is I can't understand. You know, there's people that say stuff, and I finally just say, okay, because 
they'll say something three times, and because they have a mask on, I can't understand them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, like, I have okay. the same. I have the same thing, and and you're trying to repeat it, or or, or and it's muffled, and you're you know I feel bad because I know I'm muffled, and I can't do anything about it. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm hoping that all of that is uh, is very soon behind all of us, so we can get on with with life, and hopefully it's better because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, thank you so much for uh, hanging with me on Between the Grooves. If you're ever in the Canadian, uh, ever coming up to the Toronto area, let us know and we'll grab a coffee or something. Sounds great, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, James. Sounds good. Take care, Seth. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Seth Elby from Southbound on Between the Grooves. Make sure you check out southbound.live to find the links to their music, events, and social media as well. Well, for artist advice this week, Swanisha, she was a guest with us in the early part of 2020. In fact, our last in-studio guest during the pandemic. And here she is now with advice for artists. It's okay to be creative in, um, in sharing the gospel it's okay to creatively produce that. For me, it's been hard figuring out where um, tradition, um, like if tradition would conflict with um, sharing the gospel, um, just based on experiences that I've had with my grandma. And I've, I've grown as an artist to know that it's okay to be creative and express um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did. He met them in their culture and he, he produced truth. And so it's okay to do that. Being creative in sharing the gospel. Some wise words from Swanisha. Meeting your audience where they are. You know, you might have a different style of music and the people that are moved by your artistry, that's your mission field. Thank you so much for uh, checking back with us, Swanisha, with Artist Advice this week. And that is it for this week's episode of Between the Grooves. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes. And don't forget, leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. And if you've got any comments, feel free to check in with us on Twitter and Facebook. We'll see you next time on Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves.